Self, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Therapies. Its continuing mission, to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Spock, I've been thinking. What is it all for? What does it all mean? Yes, of course, I'm loyal to the Federation and I value our mission. Exploration and the cultivation of curiosity. But ultimately, it all ends. We all die. And hundreds of years and countless technological advances, it all ends with a puff of smoke and then shadows and dust. Spock? Are you listening to me? Why, yes, Jim. But rather than replying, I'm meditating on a response. Ah, yes. The Vulcan call to prayer. That's a lovely turn of phrase, if not altogether accurate. Mm, was that offensive? No, certainly not. In the realm of our faith, we must be generous. Mm, so well said, my logical friend. Welcome, friends at home. I am Justine Mastin, LMFT, writer, educator, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I'm Laura Sigarski, LMFT, writer, researcher, Spockian first officer, and I'm ready for some contemplation. Just a reminder to listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists, unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. Sometimes I think about how other podcasts record that mm -hmm. disclaimer and just play it, but oh. I have said it 84 times. You really, really have. Um, <laughs> and what that's making me think of is, did you ever watch the Netflix show Russian Doll? No, I didn't. Uh, Greta Lee is just phenomenal. She's so great. Mm -hmm. But she famous, famously in the first season delivers the line, sweet birthday baby. <laughs> like, uh, it feels like hundreds of times. It's a lot of times. And initially, yeah. like, apparently when, like, they were discussing the role, her and the writers and the mm. director, she was like, well, you could just, like, record me once and then just have it on loop. And they were like, no, 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 no. <laughs> this, the you know, like, the conceit of the show is that the main character played by Natasha Leone, like, she mm -hmm. goes back in time and every night is a little or a lot different. So yeah. your delivery needs to show that variation. <laughs> Either a little or a lot different. Right, exactly. And so you, I mean, we didn't plan this because we've been doing this now for, God, years. <laughs> uh, you also have had your Russian doll Greta Lee moment. I have. I, and I do deliver it slightly differently. I think if we, uh, uh, Kyle Rebar, if at some point, once the show has wrapped, if you want to put a bunch of those together and see how they compare, um, we can do that just for funsies. So, so let's talk about our faith, which is the chapter that we are discussing today. It's true. And I feel like one of the things that I learned in like the drafting of this chapter was that 
I think that in some ways you are actually a very religious person mm-hmm. that though I would like never really have like, I wouldn't have named that in advance. Cause like what this chapter required me to do is to like think about all the details of religion and then set them aside and focus on the practices like the behaviors of religion, like what are we doing when we're doing religion? What are we doing? And what are, like, why does religion call to us? What needs does it meet? And in like doing that and thinking about it that way, it did become clear to me that like in that lens, that like distilled down lens, like, yeah, I think in some ways you are a really religious person. You are very in tune with anniversaries, You know, whether they are of like a sad or a joyful or a combo mixture, you're really in tune with that. You feel it both emotionally and somatically. Oh, so true. You really gravitate towards rituals Mm -hmm. and have for like the entirety of the time that I've known you. Mm -hmm. You really like connecting via story in community. Mm -hmm. You really, yes, you are. I remember one time you said to me years ago, oh, you're like, I'm so a project true. friend, yes. Marissa. I created an entire thing. My friendships that. live or die based on whether or not we're working <laughs> on a project. And what I took that to mean. That was past me for sure. It was. I think that like you've really like grown and changed and like chilled. And, and writing this book, The Grieving Therapist, was a huge part of that. But like, <laughs> I do remember the time when you said that to me in my head. I was like, well, mm-hmm. that means Justine and I are always going to have a project. So then we'll always be friends and I never have to worry about it. But that too is very religious. Like the practice of religion is like, we're coming together, my homies and me, and we're doing a thing together. Mm. And you are like very loyal, like faith is really important to you. And what is like faith in the sense of belief in a purpose beyond yourself? Yeah, I I mean, if if I seem without words, friends at home, it's because no one has ever in my entire life called me religious. No, and actually, I'm realizing like I had this realization and I don't know if I did name it to you. It was when you were in the throes of long COVID. So you don't remember. No, I mean, I, I truly I know there's a lot I don't remember, but I do feel like this is the first time I'm hearing this. It makes sense because I don't, I don't, I'm often the keeper of like the, the logic or like fact-based record of our experiences. <laughs> and I don't, I'm like flipping through the metaphorical pages in my mind palace and I, I don't see a page for this. So today, <laughs> the day that we are recording, maybe the first time that I'm like, hey, you know what? You're really religious in some ways. Which is so funny, but like, yes, I would agree with everything that you've said. Mm-hmm. I certainly would never have named that as being religiosity. Sure. Um, Fair. But yes, community is very important to me. I The day that we are recording this um, is two days before my 44th birthday, a.k.a. two days before Thanksgiving 2023. I'm so excited for when all of these air because people will be like, oh, it's Thanksgiving or oh, it's Halloween. No, it's Thanksgiving. <laughs> It really is like it's a holiday season. This final season of Starship Therapies, <laughs> and season. I think our first episode for this this final season will be dropping mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving. Oh, that's so great! Mm-hmm. Um, well, by the time you get here, what whatever the 
whatever house the moon is in. Um, the the literal day that we are recording, I experienced community and ritual mm, yes. in my own life. Mm-hmm. I I was I was gifted at my gym some flowers and balloons and some very lovely affirmations about my my journey to the the beast of a power lifter that you do not see before you today because this is an audio medium <laughs> um <laughs> but it it was such like a community and ritual moment mm-hmm. yeah and I was verklempt and overcome. And I, friends at home, you know how much I love attention. True. And I even said in my very short remarks, the entirety of this thing took three minutes. I, I just said how how much I love being the center of attention, but that even this had me feeling a bit overwhelmed oh. with like yeah. being surrounded and seen and celebrated. Yeah. like. Literally just for being me. Yeah. Not for right? anything not you did. Bro- not for great works mm-hmm. or anything like that. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, yes, they were like, you did good with the lifting. But <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't any particular thing I did. It was like, wow, we see you every day showing up and working hard and doing your best. And we want you to know that we see you. And we're giving you balloons. And I was like, yes, this is, this is community. This is what community can be. And you're right. I keep trying to create community when I cannot organically have it just happen. And there were times when I was running yoga quests that I did think to myself that I was kind of like making a church. Sure. Wow. I mean, yes. Mm-hmm. And then the way because, it like, like, came to end was also very biblical. <laughs> <laughs> One of the darker chapters. Well, and like, not for, I guess like I want to, I, I don't know that I'm trying to be positive, but like, I do think that, but I guess I'm trying to clarify that like, I do think that community does need to be cultivated. It doesn't mm-hmm. just happen i don't wake up in the morning and i'm like there it is the community i've always wanted Mm -hmm. yeah well and i i mean when i was heading up yoga quest we we celebrated birthdays we celebrated holidays Mm -hmm. we like we we ate together we moved our bodies together we played with uh the many accoutrement Action figures and stuffed animals that I had at the studio. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was very afraid when I closed Yoga Quest that I would never have community like that again. Yeah, I remember that. Right? Because like, I built the church. Mm -hmm. And I closed the doors to the church and everybody left. Yes. And they were like, if the doors are closed, we're, we're out. Right, right. And they were mad. Because you were the one that closed the doors. Right. And I, I I do to this day think that was absolutely the best decision for me in my life. And oh, yes. I mean, probably for the other members of my congregation and their lives. Um, 
And I mean, my community at the gym is not the same for sure. Like we're not together most nights of the week and like engaging in all kinds of community shit. But Mm -hmm. I do see a lot of those people every single day. Yeah. That's real. Right. And I don't know deep shit about them, most of them, Mm -hmm. but there is ritual. Yes. Fist bumps. Ritual. A kind of ritual that is totally anathema to the way that most of my system shows up. But nonetheless, I support you and all of your gym community in this. Truly. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I had a religious experience today. You did. And something that you said about like endings, like the ending of Yoga Quest, it made me think about or remember rather something Mm -hmm. else that came up for me in my reflections while I sort of like. I'm realizing I really meditated a lot as I was like writing this chapter. <laughs> you clearly did. I have no memory of writing this except that I really wanted to have QAnon in there. You really did. And I remember really uh, reflecting on that and, and being like, I don't know how I'm going to fit them in there, but I do agree. Because in many ways, they're like, <laughs> I remember my partner talked about it at the time. He was like, yeah, we're watching, we're witnessing like the birth of a new religion. Mm-hmm. Which is like fandom stories that a community tells attempting to describe the emotional reality that they are presently facing. Mm-hmm. And in meditating on those things, coming all the way back around, one of the other things I realized yeah. was, I think when religion turns to dogma is when it stays alive past the point that it perhaps ought to end. Hmm. Or at least die so that it can be reborn in a new form. Mm-hmm. And once I realized that, it like really like opened up like far more capacity within myself to be with religion. Um, and this was around the time that I think you had the observation that like, you know, religion really is. It's, it's just like it's just people's fandoms. Some people's fandom yep. is mm-hmm. football and some people's fandom is the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. I don't belong to either of those fandoms and some of my parts <laughs> judge them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it uh, makes me think of there's a uh, another podcast that is not our podcast Um that's about cults because you know i listen to mm-hmm. I know. lots of those you do right and they talk about like cults that people don't necessarily think of as cults mm. like you know uh soul cycle right right yes i mean some gyms i i could imagine yeah. like a person at lifetime gym like one of the ways they would know it wasn't vibing for them is if it felt like a cult because we in mm-hmm. our like modern American society really view cults as being like a negative thing. And, you know, a lot of cults are. Can be. They can be. <laughs> right? But, I mean, it really, a cult is a community of people with shared values that unfortunately went too far. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, and typically a charismatic leader. Yes, it Which is I with the charismatic is, leadership that really can kind of turn the yeah. tide on a friendly spiritual <laughs> gathering. <laughs> right, 
you know, like today, if they had presented me with my flowers and balloons, um, and then there had been some sort of, I don't know, right that I had to perform. Right, exactly. Like, then they were like, now we're taking you down to the sub-basement. <laughs> and we're handing you this chisel and axe, and you will meet the first lifetime member. <laughs> <laughs> I did I did ask um, if this came with any responsibilities, like when you become Miss America, and then you are a dignitary for right. the next year. yeah. I was told no. Okay. So. Bit of a bummer there, I can tell. I was hoping there'd be a sash, if I'm being honest. <laughs> oh my it god, was- that's so, that's so Steve Ranieri and Nexium. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like a sash across you that says something. Oh, okay. All right. That no, makes no, more sense. Not the, not the scarf. Not the scarf. Not the Keith Ranieri but, scarf. But you mean more like Miss America, like happy birthday, more Justine. Like Miss America. Yes. No, that's, that's. Yes. Well, what, that said that. like best lifter or something. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Hottest gym member. Yes, I would have liked that. Yes. Because uh, after the adrenaline started to die down after that whole experience, mm. I was like, I very much have vibes right now of um, the good place when the first thing uh, she had to do was go to that party and wear the sash that said best person. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes, that <laughs> is sort of what you were looking for. Yeah, I was like, where's my best person sash? <laughs> Well, maybe next year. This is like food for thought for next year, you know. Yeah, I'm going to offer that feedback. Or maybe I'll just get them a a sash that says best person and be like, this is my contribution to the cause. Oh, there you go. Right, right. So hopefully hopefully they like continue this with others. Yeah, I mean, I I would hope so. I'm great, but I am not... You are not going to be promoted to like the guru level at the Lifetime Gym. You're looking for a more sort of like (laughs) communal collaborative approach. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Um, uh, Back to our chapter. Back to our chapter. Yeah. You know, something I'm just going to highlight right now, and this is not an invitation to change what's happening, but I am just going to highlight that like I'm feeling such lightness and brightness about talking about this chapter. (laughs) <laughs> our last we couple chapters to. were just like really like when i went back to access those memories i was like oh grim mm. dour hard um but when i'm accessing the memory of writing this chapter i think by the time we sat down to write this chapter i had like turned the corner on like the shattering mm. doubt that crippled me for the first half of the book when like you got so, so sick and I was so terrified we wouldn't meet our deadline. And I was like, I was so, so burnt out. And I think writing the first half of the book for me was like really me like facing it. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, my gosh, my poor therapist probably said to me like so many times that I was burnt out. <laughs> and the first probably 50 times and I want to be clear for it's at home she didn't actually say it to me like a hundred times but more more like using that number is going to give you the emotional heft of it the first like 50 times she said it to me it was each time was like the first time and all all of my manager parts were like no really do you think so do you think so do you think so is that possible, is that possible? I don't think so what about what about what I'm doing could cause burnout 
<laughs> is a literal thing I said to her on several occasions. <laughs> Doesn't line up. Big if true. Exactly. And, you know, wow. <laughs> Such proof that I had found the therapist that I needed at that time. She was able to just take that in and and just like shine, continue shining all of this compassion at me. Because mm-hmm. um, I was so fucking burnt out. And I spent the first half of writing The Grieving Therapist, just like really reckoning with that and feeling all those feelings and just like feeling so awful. Mm. And then... When we came to write the chapter of our faith, there was this like beautiful turning point. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, things are starting to feel better. And I do think that's partially because one, I was starting to like feel my way through like the backlog of burnout feelings that I had put on ice Mm -hmm. for years. I also think that by that point, some of the things I was doing to try and help myself were finally starting to like not just allow me to maintain and tread water, mm-hmm. but I was like getting to the shore on the beach and someone was handing me a beach towel. <laughs> and then well, and I, it was warmed by the sun. Exactly. And then they were like, would you like this glass of water with a lemon in it? And I was like, yes. I would. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's all fair. I don't, I don't have, as, as so many of these things, I don't have great working memory of writing this chapter. But when I think about talking about faith and spirituality, I find that a fairly chill thing to think about at this time in my life. Sure. I, I had parts that were a lot more conflicted for, for a variety of reasons, right? I mean, I, my mother is Jewish which made me Jewish, but we only did like a spoonful of the ritual Mm. of that. And, you know, I famously, I was not bat mitzvahed. Right. When I would have gotten a pony. Um, Have I told that story on the pod? If you have, I think it's worth repeating again. (laughs) <laughs> because wow, did your parents, like they buried the lead. And for Christ's sakes, they were news writers. <laughs> right? What they, in uh... the world? Which, and here's what it's, what that suggests to some of my more skeptical and analytical parts is that like. You think it's not true. No, I think parts of them didn't want you mm. to get like fully, what's coming to me is the Catholic phrase, confirmed in any religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, they they made every effort to not expose me to pretty much any yeah. religious uh, anything mm-hmm. for my entire life. There was some Jewish iconography around our house. Okay. Because, I mean, my my mother's parents were Orthodox. So, I mean, there I don't was... know that I knew that, that they oh, were yeah, fully yeah. Orthodox. They were Orthodox. They kept kosher. Wow. It was one of the things that started mom down the path of like being uncomfortable with mealtimes. Because of being kosher? Yeah. I I don't know how much you know about like keeping a kosher kitchen, but you need two separate sets of dishes. Oh, that's right. And ne'er yes. the twain shall meet. Sure. And 
Um, so it's a very like rigid, structured wow. space to be in. And uh, there was a rather funny story that was not found at all to be funny by my Jewish grandparents of the first time my father ate with them oh. in their home. Mm-hmm. And he just put a dish in the sink. Like some kind of wildebeest. <laughs> Which, you know, from their perspective, he was. He was. He sure was. <laughs> wow. This like really... I feel like this is just like turning a light bulb on for me in terms of just like thinking mm-hmm. about you and like at this like generational context. Like, yes, mm-hmm. of course you're religious. It just skipped a generation. <laughs> I my yes, I mean, if we're going to use that language, my religion looks a lot different than my grandparents. Yes, yes, of course, and like it it would because it mm-hmm. skipped a generation, but like your your ability to like connect and build spiritual community, your affinity mm-hmm. for like rituals and anniversaries and honoring things, mm-hmm. your like your focus on like it's like the language is coming to me is like divine purpose, but like we've never used that phrase until right now. But like the Ooh, way you I like that. Yes, but like the way that you focus on like meaning making and literally everything mm-hmm. that like you and I have ever worked on together. Mm-hmm. is very spiritual. Yeah. Well, and now that we're talking about it, I friends at home, I will circle back to the story about the horse and my bat mitzvah. Yes, I'm sorry. I um, took us on a tangent. No, this is fine. I'm just naming it for anyone that's like, they're forgetting. Right. Because we have before. It's true. We will come um, back to the pony. <laughs> <laughs> come back to the pony. Um, but, you know, there were ways in which my mom was very aware and mindful of ritual. Mm-hmm. And in much the way that I am aware of ritual in a very different way than my grandparents, so is she. Mm -hmm. I mean, she did some, like, legit religious Jewish ritual. Mm -hmm. You know, we we lit the candles at Hanukkah, um, and we did the prayers, and also we had some bananas ritual, like the number of gifts that we would give each other oh, that's right. at Christmas. That's right. Um, it it was it was like ritualistic. <laughs> yeah, I remember the first time that you described your holiday ritual. Mm-hmm. It was bracing. Yeah. Well, for you who is not a huge gift giver or receiver no i'm certain because my mom is gifts are absolutely her love language Mm -hmm. and so me growing up i was like that is so fraught i don't want to touch that anymore (laughs) Mm -hmm. i want to stop trying perhaps not that dissimilar from your mom being like keeping kosher i want to stop trying yeah (laughs) get that away from me and yeah accidentally I am going to throw out the baby with this bathwater and just never cook again. Right. Which I did for a while with Christmas and it made my husband very, very sad. And Mm. luckily we've like, you know, done work and and resurrected and put Mm -hmm. together the pieces of the winter tradition that makes sense. But like, yeah, wow. I don't know that I've ever felt such strong affinity for your mom until right now at this moment. Well, there it is. There it is. Um, Please continue. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, th- so friends at home, it it would just be an absolute barrage of gifts, like a 
a barrage. <laughs> I cannot think of a better word. And that makes it sound like we were really wealthy, which we were super solidly middle class, very comfortable, mm -hmm. but by no means like wealthy that you, what you would picture. <laughs> because at Christmas, we had this baby grand piano. Again, now it sounds like we were wealthy. Um, they just really like to spend money. I'm, I'm going to put that out there. I do think you were like upper middle class, Justine. Upper might be fair. Yeah. Yeah. Upper might be fair. Mm -hmm. Um, lot, lot of privilege. Want to be clear. I am not trying to dismiss my privilege. No, no. And I'm just like trying to like offer like mm -hmm. language labels despite all mm -hmm. of their limitations. Please continue. The baby grand piano. Yes. The baby grand piano that nobody played. Um, and it had a, like a decorative tapestry laid over it. Oh. And like a lace we would decorate. or like some sort of woven situation? Like a woven situation, almost like okay. a rug. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was real into textiles. So that laid on the, the baby sure piano. <laughs> and then we always had it decorated mm -hmm. with like pictures and stuff. But this is in the living room. The living room was the room no one went in other than to entertain right. over Christmas. Um, and at Christmas time, it wouldn't just have the pictures. It uh -huh. would also have lots of decorations. Because at some point, we stopped getting a tree. Oh. And we started decorating the piano and the mantelpiece. Mm -hmm. And then we would put gifts on and under the grand piano. Wow. That became your tree. <laughs> and that became our tree. And... We would hand out one, like, round of gifts, and we would open them one by one, oh, and we would look at them one by one. We would pass them around. We would talk about where they came from and how they were purchased and what they were meant to mean. Right. And and this ritual, once, one time, uh -huh. possibly more than one time, but one time very firmly in my memory, lasted from the time that you start opening gifts, like first thing uh -huh, right. Christmas morning. Sure, 8 or 9 a.m. Until we broke for breakfast. Uh-huh. We broke for lunch. <laughs> oh, my God. And I think we finished at like 3 p.m. Wow. Wow. Um, and so this, it was tradition for this to last a really long time. Mm -hmm. And yes. another part of this tradition was... You, wit was very prized in my family. Sure. And so you were supposed to write on the tag who the gift was to and who it was from, but it's not from you. It's from some hint of the gift. Yeah, no. Uh, we didn't do this every year, but like there are definitely pieces of this that like mm -hmm. my mom absolutely did. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Right. Like I, I received a gift from you recently, which I have not yet opened, but oh, I yes. know from whence it came mm -hmm. because it's true. It came in the post. Yes. So you would have said to squirrel from the soap factory. Right. Yes, I would have if I was following this tradition. hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. And I'd be like, ooh, from the soap factory. Okay, what could it be? Let me see if I can figure it out. And then sometimes things were just straight up from Santa um, or the cats. So that you, you just got like a lot of stuff about ritual in my family, which, 
you know, I don't know what rituals were like in other people's families, but I remember the first time I went to Eli's, my my partner's yeah. family Christmas, and they opened gifts all at the same time. Yep. And I almost had a panic attack. Sure. Because, like, that's just not how it's done. That's just not how it's done. Also, I forgot the most important part of this ritual. Okay. Which is you're going from simplest gift to most extra- extravagant right. as the finale. Okay, okay. And at Eli's family Christmas, he gave me a really fancy fashion ring, mm. like second gift. Like, what? I, I was like, I'm already having a panic attack because we're opening things all at once. Right. Now you're giving me a finale gift as an appetizer. What does this even mean? <laughs> I don't What's even coming? know what's happening. There's no way for me to anchor my system. No, that's right. Yeah. And rituals really offer us ways to anchor and regulate our systems. And that's they give right. us language of the care and communion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the, the ritual of the bat mitzvah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Come back around to the mitzvah, pony. That's right. Can't forget about the pony. Or bas mitzvah mm-hmm. is, is a rite of passage when one is turning 13 in the Jewish community. Mm-hmm. And um, like all things, my parents gave me the choice about whether I wanted to do it, um, which sounds so great, but I no. just will always say no. <laughs> it sounds terrible. <laughs> there are certain things that like your child is not developmentally ready to have a choice about. That's right. And I know, folks, if you're listening and you're a hardcore attachment parent, you disagree with that. And that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Um, but I was like, Hebrew school? You want me to go to school on Saturday? Like, I already hate regular school. Now yeah. you want me to go to school with a, with a new alphabet? And I paused on that because the al- alphabet in Hebrew is the alphabet. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. So I trip over it. Um so I said, no, thank you. And then like 20 years later, my mom was like, oh, you know, if you'd been bat mitzvahed, your Zadie was going to get you a pony. And I was like, who doesn't lead with pony? Right, right. So yeah, either it was that they, parts of them didn't want you to get mitzvahed, or mm-hmm. she just lied about the pony. <laughs> and that's the thing about family is sometimes when it's your family of origin, you just never know. You just never can tell. Um, I want to be mindful of time because we both have commitments coming up. I know, I know. And in some ways I feel a little sad because I wish we had more time. But but this is the time that we have been allotted. And so I'm like sitting here and I'm like, is there anything more that I want to share? Yeah, because I feel like I've done a lot of disclosure about my ritual and family. True. Is there anything that you would like to in part. I will say that like, and it was, it was, yeah, it was still during like the writing and certainly the revising of this book. So our, our beloved dog Meridim died mm-hmm. right at the start of, of the writing. Um, mm-hmm. And so much of just like her spirit and way of being, I remember f- really being like, I want to like embody it. Like I do talk about her in the book, but then I also really wanted to mm-hmm. like find ways to like embody her, her ability to just like connect with all walks of life. Mm. And like, especially at the end of her life, there was a sound she would make that like really sounded like love. And so like, 
on a regular basis, she would make the sound love and then like Brian would say it and then I would say it. And then we just all three of us like go back and Mm -hmm. forth. And if anyone outside the home was listening, they'd be like, what is happening here? Um, But that was like Meredith's most important and most, most Mm -hmm. used word. And so when she died, we very soon after adopted our young son, who is a dog, but very much our young son, Merlin. Mm-hmm. And we would talk to him about Meridim. Mm-hmm. And so, like, sometimes he would, like, look for her. But then after a while, he was like, oh, this is just this person we talk about. Mm-hmm. And I have this, like, beautiful painting that my sibling had commissioned for me of her years and years ago. Um, at our old place, I had it, like, right above my desk. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when I'd have a hard time in a session, I'd be, like, looking up. And I would just, like, consider and contemplate Meridim and be like... How might she mm-hmm. invite me to embody love in this moment? Aww. And it was, it, I, I did that for a long while, a couple of months before it was like, oh, that, that's like what like people do with like religious iconography. Sure. Uh-huh. And it was shortly thereafter that like I commented to Brian, I was like, you know, for Merlin, like Marinim is like the goddess of the home. She is this thing mm-hmm. that we talk about in this very praiseful eulogistic way. She does mm-hmm. not exist in, in physical form. <laughs> Mm -hmm. for him she's just this like beloved spiritual entity and that was like a very like personal doorway as well for me to start to like make space for faith and and religion and spirituality because spoiler alert folks folks if you haven't intuited it already i historically have had a really hard time (laughs) with all the religion and all of like the practices therein Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you for prompting. And now it's time to close ourselves out. Okay. Well, we may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duthi, who designed our beautiful cover art. Thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Kyle Rebar. And finally, thank you to Executive Producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. You are part of our faith community. Be sure to follow us on just Instagram. And if you want (laughs) to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that's cool. But you know that we're ending. (laughs) Right, right. You can send us like, you know, a a bon voyage really anywhere. Yeah, you can say thanks for all the fish. Um. (laughs) And friends, please purchase our books uh, for your loved ones for the holidays or for any reason at all. Starship Therapies using therapeutic fan fiction to rewrite your life and The Grieving Therapist caring for your clients, for yourself and your clients when it feels like the end of the world. It's that's a long it subtitle. It is. It's a long subtitle. We did it to ourselves. Yeah. But order from wherever you like to buy books. Um, and if you haven't gotten yourself a copy yet, what what on earth are you waiting for? Consider now the time. A sign of the way we bore our souls today. There's, there's That's right. Of course, you must want more. And there's so much therapeutic self-disclosure to be had in the grieving therapist itself. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, friends, live long and prosper. Prosper.